Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Get the little ones, sit back, relax, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. New News in the New Court, Part 2 Not very many hours later, Editor Purley sat in the same chair and gazed out upon the same office and the same would-be girl reporter. His general demeanor had not changed as he chewed on an unlit cigar and glared over the top of a sheaf of typewritten pages. However, he could not escape the feeling that everything had changed, or was about to. He had a general idea of the events of the past few hours, but without a man on the scene. Check that. This was his man on the scene. This red-headed holy terror who sat watching him prepare to read her report with deeply feigned patience that couldn't possibly last much longer. Pearly glanced at her hands, folded demurely in her lap. He noticed with some small satisfaction that they were now properly ink-stained, at least. They seemed to shake a little, as if buzzing with fright, though perhaps not fright at all. Was it the thrill of the chase that had this neatly dressed, soft society lady ready to burst? What sort of monster had he unleashed? The woman cleared her throat a little, and when Pearlie made eye contact, she nodded at the typewritten pages, which from her viewpoint covered most of his face. He glared at her and lifted the pages to form a total barrier between them before beginning to read. Terror at the Hat Show by Kit Baxter. Pearlie struggled for a moment and then peeked around the left side of the papers. <clears throat> Just so you know, he said, the reporters don't generally write their own headlines. Oh, she said surprised. Who does that? An editor will do that, he said sagely. I will do that mostly. Kit shrugged and nodded. Makes sense, she said. There was an instant of hesitation, but she could not resist asking, Is there something wrong with it? Pearlie sputtered, because there wasn't. I put terror first, so people wouldn't stop reading when they saw the words hat show, she said, and I made sure there was an exclamation point, which seemed stylistically consistent. She seemed prepared to keep going, and Pearlie waved his hands to stop her. It's fine, he said. I might even use it if there is actually some terror at the hat show, which I have not yet actually ascertained, as I have not yet read the body of the article. I have noticed that, Baxter said with a calmness that she did not really possess. She nodded again at the pages, this time emphatically. Pearlie coughed and pulled the pages back in front of his face. 
It was difficult to read that way, but he did not want her watching him for a reaction, just in case he failed to project quiet disgust throughout the activity. He began to read once again. Terror at the Hat Show by Kit Baxter The ballroom at the Royal York Hotel has welcomed so many stars in the world of music and entertainment that it has become famous throughout the country in its own right. This rarefied environment is now playing host to the stars of the world of ladies' haberdashery as the Dominion Hat Show takes the stage all this weekend, and this reporter was lucky enough to be invited for a sneak peek. The large and enthusiastic crowd on hand for the opening of this annual event was buzzing with excitement as Geoffrey Collier, head of the organizing committee, welcomed invited guests and other dignitaries in his opening remarks. Indeed, the work on display was so impressive, and the examples of what the well-dressed lady shall be sporting in the coming year so charming that very few in the crowd seemed to notice the steady stream of worthies making their way up the staircase to one of the Royal York's meeting rooms just above. One can forgive them for failing to observe that many of Toronto's most notable industrialists seem to be in attendance. Together with a team of experts sent from Ottawa on behalf of the War Department of our federal government. Just what the assembly of the city's wealthiest and most influential businessmen were doing was unclear, but the appeal of such a target had clearly occurred to someone as there were many in attendance who wore the uniforms of Toronto's finest, as well as the RCMP and our nation's military, not to mention many men who were dressed with deliberate casualness, who were recognized by some as plainclothes detectives. So captivating were the hats on display, and so interesting was the opportunity to meet the creators of these fashionable delights in the flesh, that it is safe to say that no one in the crowd was wondering about the mysterious gathering one floor up in the slightest, and as such they were quite unprepared when the first gunshots rang out. The initial volley came as three staccato shots fired as if into the air as a warning. Far below, in the busy ballroom, a moment of consternation rippled through the crowd, as if the hundreds of ladies in attendance wondered as one if they had really heard what they thought they did, or if it were just some easily explained noise playing upon their easily engaged feminine imaginations. The moment passed, and the happy murmur began anew. But there was something unfamiliar about it now, as if notes of a buzz of masculine concern could be heard emanating from the floor above. A half-dozen more shots rang out, unmistakable this time, and the hat enthusiast fell silent once again, wondering in creeping horror if this could possibly be some ploy by the city's criminal gangs, or even a caper of one of the city's colorful so-called supervillains. The security men left at the base of the stairs, mostly men in plain clothes, raced for the enormous staircase and drew their hidden sidearms, much to the consternation of those near enough to witness it. That distress quickly transformed in the full-fledged panic as those heroic guardians scattered under a hail of withering gunfire from above, sending them in every direction in a desperate search for any available cover. The assembled crowd in the ballroom dissolved instantly into a sea of terrified screams, 
Whatever was happening high above, those in attendance wanted nothing to do with it. They found themselves unable to quickly disperse, as the only clear exit led directly through the open wall that led into the lobby, where the air now hung thick with the smell of cordite and the roar of the injured. The walls of the ballroom itself had been hung with bunting and wrapped in a maze of cloth dividers to make it easier for the merchants to refresh their displays with new stock without disturbing the crowds of shoppers. This sensible accommodation now turned terrifying, as the large and deeply panicked crowd found themselves without a clear exit to a place where they desperately did not wish to be, and the threat of trampling seemed greater even than the danger of gunfire. The uniformed men at the base of the stairs rallied at the helpless cries of the panicked crowd, and rallied for another attempt at forcing their will upon those who held the second floor. Soldiers stood side by side with law enforcement as they approached, weapons at the ready, each traveling in a low crouch to offer as small a target as possible to the homicidal fiends high above. Alas, once again they were quickly repelled by a withering storm of hot lead that rained from above. No frontal assault could hope to survive with the high ground held by the still mysterious assailants, for as of yet... No faces had been seen, and the terrified crowd and their would-be protectors could only guess at the cause of this calamity. Several of the plainclothes policemen were heard to offer their opinion that only the Nazi fifth columnist who had become known in the press as Archangel would dare such an audacious scheme, which meant that the distinguished hotel had now become the newest battleground of this insidious armed conflict which threatened to overtake the entire world. The armed detectives raced to the west side of the ballroom, hoping to find the service stairs unguarded, that they might come to the aid of the men above, who now had to be considered prisoners of the sinister fiend and his lackeys. Sadly, the already frightened crowd was thrown into a frenzy by the presence of the armed investigators, and the situation at the Dominion Hat Show quickly transformed into one of pure, unbridled panic. Through the ceiling high above came a sound so startling that it froze this chaotic scene for an instant. What can only be described as a pair of explosions rang out, and plaster from the ballroom ceiling cracked and fell as dust onto the crushed and trampled hats far below. For an instant, there was no other sound. And at this hour, there can only be speculation as to whether the explosions were the work of the attackers or some counterforce. For a brief moment... All was still above. This silence was utterly shattered by the furious roar of a chorus of guns into the room above, together with a stampede of footfalls breaking in every direction. A single scream was heard from a woman at one of the display booths, and the crowd once again became a shrieking, pulsating crush of people desperate to be somewhere else. A startled cry was heard from near the lobby stairs, and a soldier's voice was heard to call, They're coming down! A burst of covering fire roared from above, and that was all the provocation that the hat show crowd required to beat a hasty retreat back into the confines of the ballroom, away from the coming storm. 
The remaining armed men took up positions in the lobby, just out of sight, but between the staircase and the main doors. There would be no escape for Archangel's men that way. But who would stand in opposition to them, or indeed if they could, was not yet evident. Another explosion rocked the upper level, and the lights flickered and went dark. Even in the middle of the day, the ballroom became a deep twilight in an instant, and those in attendance could be forgiven for wondering if there was anyone who would help them, or if they were destined to fall as casualties of a war that had, until this moment, raged far from our shores. At that moment, a peal of laughter rang out that froze every man and woman in their tracks in utter silence, like a herd of startled deer. The armed men in charcoal gray uniforms racing down the stairs, the ragtag band who stood waiting for them in the lobby, the hundreds of innocents placed in harm's way by this shocking attack, all stopped short as if gripped by a primal fear. The laugh was mirthless, and yet filled with an unaccountable joy at what was surely to follow. It gave birth to hope where there was none, and rendered the cowardly attackers feeble with fear of the just deserts they were shortly to be served by the red-gloved fistful. Down the great staircase rolled a tide of curious smoke, Heavier than air, so it seemed, it washed like a slow-moving wave, descending from above to where the men who would terrorize the country into submission quaked like frightened children. They were exposed on their flank to the policemen and soldiers hunkered down in the lobby, but those men all held their fire, fascinated to see what would happen next. At last the gunmen could stand no more, one of them peeled off a single shot into the thick, unnatural fog, desperate to stop the laughter that seemed to be right on top of them, and that provoked a hailstorm of hot death, fired blindly by a dozen men into the rolling, deepening haze. Their pistols emptied. The shots came to a sudden end that was as deafening as the firing itself had been. For a moment, all was still. Then... Suddenly, he was among them, a terrifying silhouette that resolved itself into a creature of pure iron resolve. A giant of a man in an immaculate gray suit and matching hat, distinguished only by the red gauntlets, which flew like mad, striking out at the cluster of enemies and the matching red domino mask with blank eyes that blazed with unearthly light. He threw his foes like dolls, striking with fists and feet with breathtaking grace and lethal cunning. He fought off the attacks of a dozen desperate men nearest him as if it were no more trouble than a collection of flies, and he did it without ever ceasing that terrible, wonderful laughter. The mood of the assembly within the hall had changed rapidly to one of fascination and craning to catch a glimpse. The attacking force, however, which had once been so brazen, now scattered into the ballroom, hoping for an easy exit. Once again, the setup of the event thwarted such an attempt, and they found themselves trapped in a snare made of ladies' hats on display. 
The man in the mask was upon them before they could think of drawing their guns upon an innocent, and it was all that the traitorous forces of Archangel could do to make a last desperate grasp for freedom, every rat for himself. They were not to be successful, for fate had not played her last card. The crowd looked up from the floor where they crouched and saw a sight to behold— a young woman in a steel-gray catsuit gliding through the air, suspended aloft by strange membranes built into her suit. It could only be the red panda's partner, the flying squirrel, descending from somewhere above like the much more peaceful animal that was her namesake. Now the rout was on in earnest, with the masked heroes fighting in perfect tandem, their blows raining down upon their hapless foes like claps of thunder— a force of nature against which no mere man could hope to stand. Fists cracked like rockets, bones and teeth shattered, and the enemies of peace and freedom lay scattered like sheaves of wheat after a harvest. As suddenly as it began, it was all over. Not a single gunman was left standing, and the teams of uniformed lawmen took over and began to clear the field of battle. No member of the security team would speak on record, but it was surmised that the attack had been directed at a secret meeting of industrial concerns, aimed at streamlining production of wartime munitions and supplies, and that the assault upon the Hacho had been unintended consequences. What the plan of the traitorous archangel might have been, and how close he himself had come to capture and unmasking, was not clear at this time. What was clear is that, whatever threat the city may face, and however this conflict may threaten the safety and security of the people, we can still depend upon the city's masked champions, the Red Panda and the Flying Squirrel, who vanished before they could be mobbed by ardent admirers. Wherever they might have gone, they have our gratitude, and they carry our hopes with them. The Dominion Hat Show continues until Sunday afternoon. For a moment that hung in the air like an hour, Editor Purley said nothing. Opposite him, the slightly disheveled girl reporter sat waiting, calm upon the outside, but with her fists balled up in anticipation. Well, she said at last. Purley coughed and shuffled the papers, smoothing them out with his meaty hands. Reads like some kind of pulp novel, he said at last. Well, when life gives you lemons, Baxter offered. Yeah, Pearlie said, unable to meet her gaze. I could have done without some of the stuff about the hats. She raised an auburn eyebrow. You were most insistent about the hats, she reminded him. I know, I know, he snapped, and cleared his throat. It's... "'Good,' he said as casually as he could. "'That was hard to say, wasn't it?' she asked. "'You have no idea,' he agreed. "'Do we have a follow-up?' "'I have a couple of quotes from a vendor who makes aviator caps for ladies. "'He sold out in ten minutes after the flying squirrel took off. "'I was going to do a sidebar?' "'Nah, we need this on the street now, darn it. "'Save that for the evening edition.' And get someone from O'Malley's office to go on the record, and no fooling around. He waved the papers excitedly. Give this to Helen. Have her tell Bones he needs to remake the front page in pronto. Pearlie thrust his unlit cigar back into his mouth. 
The front page? Kit Baxter said with amusement in her voice. Yeah, he growled, his voice daring her to comment. Yes, sir, she said, collecting her papers and returning to the newsroom with a spring in her step. You have been listening to the Red Panda Chronicles number five, New News in the New Court, written by Greg Taylor and read by Clarissa Donetta Landon and Greg Taylor for the Dakota Ring Theater podcast. New content creation is powered by Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash G-R-E-G-G-T-A-Y-L-O-R or look for the links in the show notes. Dakota Ring Theater, the sound of adventure. Ah, Saturday's Story Circle in the Mutual Audio Network. A time for the family to gather together and enjoy tales filled with adventure, humor, and fun. Speaking of family-friendly, have you listened to Bells in the Bathroom? Catch it on Friday Follies and every other week on Sunday Showcase. It's a time for the family to gather together and enjoy tales filled with stinky puns, odd characters, and bizarre plots, such as they are. Bells in the Bathroom on the Mutual Audio Network. It will have your family going around in circles.